Welcome to another episode of Built on Passion. I'm Drew, and today we'll be talking to Artie Sobani, co-founder of Oru Kayak. Today we talk about the origins of Oru Kayak, the journey of scaling into a publicly traded company, and where the brand is heading next. Hey, Artie, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So to get started, just tell us a little bit about Oru Kayak. Excited to talk about Orukayak and my journey. Hopefully inspire some people to make some cool things happen. Orukayak is origami folding company, origami folding kayak company. So we make kayaks that fold up in their own case and that have the weight of a traditional kayak and super easy and super portable. So that way you can take your kayak anywhere with you. So we make hard shell type of kayaks that has the benefit of inflatable. Um, we make various different sizes and from recreational to performance oriented kayak close cockpit kayaks. And we have a bunch of gears. Cool. So share a little bit about your background, how you got started with Oru. Growing up, I always had like this, I never fit in, let's say. I had this right brain, left brain type of approach to things. I wasn't really a specific, like great at one thing. I was okay in multiple different things. Anyways, uh, after many years of finding my way to MBA program, MBA in design strategy, which kind of utilizes design thinking, applies it to businesses and uh, solving solutions for people. Here in San Francisco, it was California College of Arts. And then at the same time, towards the end of it, I met Anton. Anton Willis is the designer, my partner, and he's the one that came up with this whole concept. I mean, you got to be somewhat a genius to come up with something like this. We met, I never kayaked in my life. He wasn't a pro kayaker or anything like that. He's an architect by trade, he went to Berkeley. He was looking for someone. He was, he was trying to launch the product on his own and like license it. That didn't work out. And then he was like, okay, we're going to try to launch it on our own to see what happens. We met. First time in a kayak was across the Golden Gate Bridge. Build a kayak, put it together, sit inside the kayak for the first time in any kayak. And then he just like launches me off. And it was a little tippy at the moment, but the, you can see the water line because it's translucent. The material is translucent and it's so light. So you're just like floating around and I was like, scared I was going to tip over. Then I got surrounded by my environment, the water, clouds coming through the bridge. And it was an uh, amazing experience. I love the outdoors. I love camping. I love mountain biking, any, anything re regarding outdoors. So it was like a love of first sight. It's like, man, this is the same feeling that I have when I travel two hours away from the city. But this is like most of the cities have water around them. So I'm like, yeah, I want to give this a shot. We started working together. I helped them with it. The toolkit that I had to you know, build a build a business plan and all that stuff. Kickstarter was coming around and we decided that we were launching on Kickstarter. Do some educational stuff first. Like what is Kickstarter? What is crowdfunding? This is back in 2012. So about 10 years ago, our 10-year anniversary is coming up. We were naive and we didn't know like exactly what it takes to do this thing. And we launched it. We sold about 500 kayaks, over 500 kayaks, and like raised close to $500,000. It was at the time was the, one of the most successful crowdfunding campaign, outdoor product crowdfunding campaigns. And then uh, we had to go figure out how to build these things, how to figure out the logistics, like everything that I didn't know anything about. And we still didn't have a factory or anything like that. How do we, how do we make these things? I did, early on, we thought, we'll just make these things on ourselves. We set up a little shop, we'll make them. The whole concept came from a garage. Anton, a couple of years before that, was like messing around. Going back a little bit right now, it's like Anton, like he was living in uh, Northern California and he finds a kayak and he restores it, a wooden kayak. He restores it. Then when he moves into the San Francisco, he couldn't fit that kayak inside his apartment. So he's like, at the same time, he read this article 
obviously he's an architect and he's like at the same time with this article about the origamist and like Robert Lang, which is the, the, one of the godfathers of modern origami. And he started like, he's like, maybe I can fold this stuff up. So that's how his journey started. And then fast forward two years later, then we met. We're very different from one another, but very complementary in a lot of ways. We would take us two days to make one kayak, two of us, 10 hour days. So 500 kayaks, obviously you can take us like three years to deliver these things. So we had to figure out how to scale it. So it was a lot of it has been, it's about, it has been about learning it, scaling it and expanding it. That's just been the whole journey. And sometimes you go through this whole circle, this process multiple times. You feel like you're there, like, oh, we're here. Then you realize, oh no, there's a whole nother layer level that we haven't even tapped to. It's just like a game. Business is really fun because it's real lives and real money you're dealing with. We set up the manufacturing. We ended up setting up a manufacturing here in Pomona, California, Southern California. We found a supplier that would supply us the sheets and we kind of set up shop within their factory, kind of grew from there. We were always hands-on and we're kind of building it ourselves. Uh, We had our team and kind of grew, like we had to figure out how to build this thing. We didn't even know what bomb bill of material was. I didn't know what PO meant purchase order, obviously. Net terms and all this, all this stuff I had to figure out like on the job really quickly. And I'm very comfortable being in uncomfortable situations. So that helped. It came 2016 and we really like early on, it was like all about like figuring out what's the baseline, what's the storyline. As far as what stories, we won a lot of awards. We were on Shark Tank, we were like Edison Award and sometimes a really good journey. But it came to a point in like 2016, 17, actually 2017, 18, that it's like it wasn't scalable anymore. So we were like, we're growing, but the, the, the it wasn't profitable. It wasn't as profitable. So we made it this very hard decision. I made a hard decision to move the manufacturing into Mexico, which made a lot of sense for us. It was local. We understood the culture. And we're like, if we're going to do this, we can't have a contract manufacturer in China, for example, make this stuff. We have to have control over the quality and output and efficiencies and everything. So we ended up transitioning into Mexico with a partner, a contract manufacturer that helps, like gives us a lot of leeway to build our team layouts and flows and all that stuff we did that for it was very hard to get that one going and all this time like it's about these relationships you're saying no to you're leaving the company that helped you start up and then you're going into a whole new company and fast forward now like like last year till now we're actually going through another transition that we built our own facility so we have actually our we're vertically integrated in the last like four or five years we've been focusing on like really like finding efficiencies and vertically integrating all the departments and everything we do everything in-house yeah from like fulfillment from design manufacturing fulfillment all done through our facilities in, in mexico and we have most of our team there we have about overall we have about a couple of hundred people last year early last year solo stove if you guys are familiar with solo stove they john and ceo and team reached out and we were um it seems like they were good at so many things that we weren't good at like the the marketing front and the customer experience and all that stuff so we decided that we wanted to join team up with them and we got acquired by them and then we ended up building this new organization called the Solo Brands. And then we went public as well last year. So like it was, it's been a ride in the last 10 years, but it seems like every year it's like, what can we do this year? It's like, we can't top that one. In my mind, it's like, as far as the experience goes, it seems like we always find a way to, something happens. I mean, that's an amazing story. I mean, you basically went from garage to 
part of a public company over a 10, 10 year period, which is honestly amazing. I remember pretty close to when you guys got started, maybe in like 2013, 2014, I was spending some time living in New York City and we saw your kayaks and we were like, this is like game changing because if you live in a city, there is no room. And this is like the exact solution to that problem. And so it's kind of cool to see how you guys have gone from kind of a simpler product to now having a whole range of kayaks and paddles and all kinds of other stuff. When we started out, the company was called, the product was called Little Kayak. Later on, you fast forward a year, year and a half later, when we started selling to REI, we're like, oh, we need to name this something else. The product needs to have a name, not the company name. So all these learnings, you know, just like a little nugget right there but that product that we launched with it was like 800 bucks or 850 but the ratios and the how we were making it was just not working on the same product that product is at this point is 1500 bucks it's a sports kayak right like close cockpit it's not necessary for everyone like meaning that most people want to have a recreational easier to use open cockpit shorter smaller um, because we went longer more kayak oriented or professional kayak oriented route and then we kind of like lean back, came the other way, which is like tandem kayaks, open cockpit, 12 foot kayaks, 10 foot kayaks. And now we're under, now we just recently launched the Lake and Lake Plus, which is priced at $5.99. Our load, so we have three products under a thousand bucks. And our goal has never been to like be a niche product. We want to become the most recognizable kayak brand in the world. We feel like we have the right solution with our products and right, we deliver the right experience. So we have now products that aren't under a thousand bucks, which opens the door for more people to be able to jump in and get their world transformed. It is, um, there are cheaper kayaks that exist, right? You can get them cheaper. They're going to be bigger and heavier. And then also, unless you have a pickup truck, getting them around is going to be difficult. At the end of the day, you're not actually saving that much money by having a bigger kayak and plus having some of the storage benefits and all that. I think it's an, a super awesome product. So how do you guys go from, you, ha- you started out with the sport, kayak and then now you have a full range of kayaks how did you guys decide which ones to to build and like where did you draw the inspiration from i mean mostly especially since we're most of us are novice i mean yes we do have professionals now and we are one of our co-founders that started with us after we started the company roberto he was a pro kayaker so he really like helped us make the product better but like listening to our customers you know we started out and direct to consumer we are still mainly direct to consumer but we have a lot of great partners like rei and now the exporting goods and many others were in europe and australia and most of them are wholesale b2b it's so, about like listening to our customers talking to our buyers and just like seeing sales rep and they give you feedback you know it's like just getting to that you know open cockpit under a thousand was like a big milestone for us and then the second milestone was just getting closer to that 500 product price point yeah and just like listening to our customers and like improving the product from not just the next product what we want to make but improving the current product lineup making it easier user-friendly and accessories that they're looking for upgrades and we want people to after they go through the their journey of getting to know the pro, uh, the brand and making a purchase, using it. We want we want everybody to fall in love with the product more over time. So the, the journey just begins when you start paddling it for the first time. You build it that first time you build it in your living room and you go put it in the water and go. And it, that, that love of fur needs to grow. And that's been the journey. That's been the goal for us. 
So you mentioned that you sell in retail. So you're selling online direct to consumer as well as like in REI and Dix, like you mentioned. What has that transition been like when you started moving into selling and retailers? I remember the first time we went to outdoor retailer in Denver in 2014, which we won a bunch of awards there too, which was really great. But like we didn't, the pricing and the margins and stuff, we just didn't know like... We were just making it up. Every day was a new price points and stuff. We didn't even sell anything because we didn't, just didn't have the inventory to sell anything. So some of the retailers would come to us and like, I remember a conversation They would say like, so why are you even here? It's like, well, you're going to remember us, right? So see you next year. You know? Yeah, obviously like going to retail, there's certain like, they just, it's a different game and we have to have the margins for it. Uh, you're giving out a bunch of margins and like, the return rate is different. The, like the way you deal with, that type of customer is very different, meaning the retailer. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're delivering an experience for the end customer. So it's really important for that to work out. And the partners that we've partnered up with, like it's very important to pick the right ones. Uh, we had some opportunities for big, some of the big box stores and we just didn't say yes to. But for example, we uh, in holidays, we're always in Nordstrom. I think it's a great brand to partner up with or Mumbel in Japan. So it hasn't been easy, but I think it's very important for even the D2C side. It's not easy. Obviously, you're selling one kayak at a time. I think every channel is it plays its own role in order to get to what we want to get to, which is to become the most recognized kayak brand in the world. Do you feel like having both the retail and then also the D2C sales channel allows you to like innovate faster and kind of be closer to the customer by kind of getting that direct feedback from having customers directly? Absolutely. We do a lot of beta testing. So we have a list of customers on our that signed up for our beta testers. They're across the country, mainly around the Bay Area and California, just because they're closer. So we do sessions with them. They come in, they see products, they test them. They give us feedback and we got better over time too. what's going to work, what's not going to work. Our customers are obviously for every company. If you don't have the, you need to have the right product of like right value uh, proposition, but the customers are the main thing, right? Like uh, this, everything like without, without our customers and our community. And we have a very amazing uh, community. They're, they're just, and we have a very open dialogue with them. So they just give us the feedback. If they have issues, we try to do everything to fix it. We got a lot better over the years. I wouldn't say we were <laughs> perfect in the early years. Yeah, it always takes time to fix some of those problems. What would you say has been the, the hardest part? Uh, the hardest part? General? Building the right team, build like right culture. Keep like Obviously, culture always evolves evolving with the uh, like the evolution of the company and the people that comes in and just like somewhat maintaining some of the original values and obviously building on top of that i think that's just been a great challenge i wouldn't say it's been the hardest thing that like i'm tired of it i think that's it's that's the best part of the game and then being able to like always for everyone to understand the customer is the main thing so like all, everyone engineers from customer service and production people like understand why we're doing this i think it's the people side of things for me it's the people side of things it's been the hardest thing and the most joyful thing it's our customers it's our people and uh the people that backed us up the investors that backed us up and believed in the idea retailers i remember like the, like when we got into rei like there was just one person his name is nathan he's still there and I think he's in, a, I don't know what category he's in, but anyways, he, he believed in our product. I mean, like believing it, I mean, I appreciate, I'm grateful for people that believed in us. 
Culture can be one of those things that's, especially with a growing company like yours, I have, I have a software background. So I've worked in several software companies and software companies, the good ones at least, have a very strong initiative around culture and making sure that, that they drive that home and values and mission. And as a company grows, it can be very hard to hold on to the one, the original culture that you had, but also be willing to evolve with changing times and changing situations. And like COVID, for example, if you have a core value of showing up every day, but now showing up every day is a little bit different, right? Right. A couple of years ago, it was like all about being in the office. Like everybody needs to be in the office because this, there's energy about that. But now, I mean, we still show up to the office. Obviously, our ma manufacturing people need to show up. But, the, um, but yeah, things are very different now. My perspective exactly. is different. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate the, that insight there. What advice would you give to someone who wanted to start a product company like this? Product companies are very difficult because once you make the product and ship it out and all that stuff, it's just hard to get user feedback. It's hard to do MVPs, harder to do MVPs, minimum viable products versus software companies. And there's just a lot at stake. There's a lot of capital, like upfront costs to everything. And you, if something goes wrong, it's just harder to fix. It takes longer. You can just like update the code over the air and that's it. You fix the problem. I would say, I think being dreaming big and being a bit naive to start something, I think that's what it takes. Yeah. But if you if you think it's going to be easy or you, you want it easy, just don't do it. I mean, to begin with, just don't do it. That's my advice. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where um, if you think about all the problems you're going to have to solve, there's no way you would ever do it. Yeah, you need to be a problem solver. Just anything you do that you want to start something and any kind of business, just generally, you or just life itself. You want to be attracted to the uphills, the hard things. So where do you see Oru Kayaks going in the next year to five years? I feel like we've done amazing things with the kayaks. Obviously, we still have room to grow and evolve and from customization and different type of kayaks that like we want to get into hunting and fishing category. So there's like definitely places that we can go into. We want to own, I'm not going to say too much necessarily because who knows what's going to exactly happen, but our technology, what we build, the manufacturing, which is a product itself, is currently building kayaks that fold up. There are our approach to things our technology and the manufacturing, there's a lot of other things that we can solve that needs to be, there's space things that could utilize our origami technology, the material that we use. There's a lot of great things that we can be working on that uh, could use our touch and hopefully people would appreciate it. Solve, actually solve a problem that people have. Maybe they don't know that they have it. Make it better, make it easier for people. Again, to get outside, get outdoors. So before we wrap it up, I want to give you a chance to kind of plug Uru Kayak and tell everyone how to find you. Uru Kayak, pretty simple. O-R-U-K-A-Y-A-K.com. That's it. I mean, like urukayak.com. You can find us online. You can find us on a bunch of other retailers. We do have a pretty cool explorers program that you can uh, connect with other Uru owners and you can try the kayak without even uh, committing. So I think because the first time you try the kayak, you it just such a life-altering experience in a way. It's like, wow, this thing works. Because you, when you build it and you put it together, it's like, is this going to float? And then you put it together and you get in on it. It's like, this is... <laughs> that blows your mind a little bit. Yeah. I still... Everybody has joined a company, like has done it. Even the Roberto, which was a pro kayaker, he didn't want to get in the kayak. I'm like, just get in the kayak. Just try it out. And he was... Every, it's like a... You fall in love. You're like, oh man, this is this really works. Thank you so much, Artie. It was great talking to you today. Likewise, thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Built on Passion podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are still listening right now, you need to leave a review. Like seriously, if you are committed enough to listen to the outro, then you must be a fan and we would love to hear your thoughts. Be sure to share this episode with a friend who's thinking about starting a passion project business. And as always, tune in next week for another episode.